Hey, good morning, Grace Church. Really glad you could take the time this morning to join with us. Uh, man, Jeff, I love that worship. Thank you so much, brother. Glenn, it's good to see your face. Uh, missing everybody. Thanks to everybody who came out last week um, for our um, time of lament and mourning. Uh, as a church, that's not something that we're very well practiced at. And uh, even though we've gone back to this format, it is still in that spirit of repentance and paying attention and listening that we continue with our uh, worship this morning. Um, this is deep work. It, it's not something that's going to be accomplished um, easily or quickly with that. So we continue to commit ourselves um, to that work this morning as we look at this, as we look at the text and as we gather together. Uh, if you've been around me for very long, uh, you know, you've heard me tell stories about Uncle Bob, uh, Colonel Robert Spielman, or Uncle Bob was a World War II vet, former prisoner of war. Uh, he fought behind enemy lines against Japanese in the Philippines. Just incredible, incredible story. After his stint in the military, he was a school teacher and coach, spent his entire career working with the kids. Um, and when he retired, he rode along as kind of a chaperone or mentor on the traveling summer camp I got to go on and work on as a kid. Now, Uncle Bob was about 6'4". And at that time, he was going probably 260, 280, voice lower than a gravel pit, chewed tobacco, didn't spit. I mean, just big, larger-than-life person. Uh, you know, and he had spent most of his life either working with kids or fighting in wars. And he loved kids, but, man, he hated the Japanese. I mean, and I'm not kidding when I say he hated them which honestly as a kid scared me um, because here was this man who knew more about kids, was more compassionate, was more um, gifted in being a mentor and understanding and listening and guiding and giving himself sacrificially. But when it came to the Japanese, there was a cold deadness that came over him. And, uh, and the absolute hatred he had that he, was never for, that he never forgave them for was evident. Um, it was justified when you know the history of the torture that he endured in the prison camps and the way that he saw his friends killed. Um, you could understand it, but still it seemed incongruent with his character. Um, how I could know him to be such a safe place, a welcoming person. And yet when it came to that, um, that there was absolute hatred with that. Well, scripture takes us into a similar experience of hatred towards people. And if scripture has ever been more relevant, I don't know when, as we look at the own anim our own animosities in our society that are coming up, you know, really nothing's changed, just things are being exposed. We're in this time of, of reckoning as a society with that. So let's see what we can learn from the text of this week. I'm gonna pray. And then Stacy's going to put up the words to the text. I encourage you to read those, those words out loud where you are. If you're meeting with someone, maybe take turns reading them out loud. And then we'll come back and make some comments on it. Jesus, you are with us this morning, Holy Spirit. We lean into you to guide us, to enlighten us, 
to draw us closer to you, to our true selves, to each other, and to show us our ways that we might repent and believe so that the kingdom of God may be more fully established among us. For that is our only hope, and that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have to understand this is this is kind of a weird break. Paul's defense here in Jerusalem is going to continue into the next chapter. We're going to we're going to talk a lot about this, but this very specific part, I want to make a couple observations and some application from. Um, first of all, in the teaching team this week, uh, it struck us that the the opposition to Paul's message didn't didn't start with his talking about Jesus. I think in our society, we're used to our culture. We're used to thinking that the main opposition that the Jews had to Jesus was the the confession that he was the Messiah, that he was the son of God. And indeed, there, there was some pushback, but that's not where we see it here. Here, the pushback comes at the mention of going to the Gentiles. This is what caused the great disruption that we see with this. And the irony here can't be lost on us that it's Paul's commitment to make peace, to be a peacemaker, to bring reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles, to include all people uh, as participants in the gospel message as worthy of the kingdom, uh, that results in violence, chaos, rioting, uh, demonstrations, political subversion, um, that, that the very act of Paul's peacemaking is what sets off the powder keg of chaos here. And we have to ask ourselves, why would the Jews react so violently here? What was it that um, made Paul's um, reaching out to include the Gentiles so offensive? Well, we have to really consider the historical context here and maybe putting it in modern parlance might do it. Uh, imagine if you would a, a German synagogue right after World War II uh, being instructed to include Nazi SS officers in its fellowship. What do you think the response would be? What do you think if we went to 9-11 to the memorial in New York City in Manhattan and asked the survivors of the 9-11 massacre there, the Twin Towers being destroyed, to welcome Al-Qaeda uh, into their homes as brothers and sisters? What about asking Native American people to welcome the soldiers who massacred them and drove them out of their homelands in as equals? What if we ask the enslaved to welcome the slave master in? What if we ask Uncle Bob, the former prisoner of war, to embrace the Japanese who tortured and killed his friends? see, the Jews had a deep and painful history that motivated and justified, at least in their minds, their opposition to welcoming the Gentiles. We have the entire Old Testament as testimony of this. And we who are Gentiles, um, if we fail to see the gravity of this, we fail to see the deep power of the gospel and what's going on. But the crazy thing is that this racism, this prejudice, uh, runs both ways. There's always two sides to it. You see, uh, the Gentiles were the oppressors of the Jewish people. They were the ones who were raping and enslaving and abusing and oppressing and not letting the Jewish people breathe. 
well, what does it take for someone to do that? What, how, how is that justified? Well, the only ways for oppression and racism to be sustained, to be systematized, is for a deep corruption to take work in the hearts and the minds of the oppressor, a corruption that others, the oppressed, objectifies them, patronizes them, belittles them, gaslights them, or ignores them altogether. And ultimately, these, these attitudes of the oppressor are rarely, if ever, recognized. Their power and their privilege, our power and our privilege, allow us to, to choose to address it or not with that. Ultimately, it leads to a deep disdain, irrational fear, and eventually and always hatred of the very people being oppressed. Y'all, racism, prejudice, injustice, oppression is a poison well that makes everyone sick. It crushes the breath out of the oppressed and it crushes the love out of the heart of the oppressor. This is the condition that the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to address. By, by tearing down the walls between God and man, which we readily embrace as Christians, especially as evangelical Christians, we readily embrace that, the breaking down of the barriers between God and man. We have to understand that that, by necessity then, breaks down the barriers between people between us, between races, between genders, between classes, is that it removes all the barriers for that. And that's why we as Christians of all people are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. And there's a huge, huge distinction here. Because while peacemakers often seek to keep the status quo in order, to, to keep the existing powers and intention the way that it is, peacemakers come to bring those who have been oppressed, who've had injustice perpetrated against them, who have been taken from, and bring them into full reconciling fellowship. One suppresses, the other opens up. But it's dangerous work, though. We're going to see what it cost Paul. We're going to see what it cost the early Christian community as we read Acts. Peacemaking, at least in the short term, often looks like rabble-rousing. It looks like rioting, protesting, opposing. But it's not. It's the work of peacemaking. And church, this is our moment. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is our moment. We were made for this. The church was made for this. But we have much work to do, y'all. Uh, some of the practical ways we're taking part in this is some of the, the ways we've been reaching out. Tasha has been leading that effort. Uh, Teresa, Stacy, others have been involved in the efforts of, of responding to the needs within our community physically in every way that we can. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a watch party for the movie Just Mercy. 
which is a powerful, powerful story. I want you to watch the movie two or three times and get the book if you can. Brian Stevens has really done an, uh, an, a fantastic job of exposing um, some of the issues that as peacemakers we need to deal with. Uh, that's going to be at eight o'clock. If you can, you go to the website, you go to the face, there's an event created on our Facebook page you can go to, or you can go to the website and click on the image of the movie. And what we'll do is we'll all just kind of start watching it at the same time. We'll have a discussion thread going. We're also introducing a class, a 13 week class, um, race class in the kingdom of God put on by Arabon ministry. I want everybody to do it. It's not a gentle ask. This is a hard ask. Do it. Sign up today. Go to, the, go to the church website. It's 25 bucks. Get in this class. Do it. If you're part of Grace Church, you should do this. No ifs, ands, or buts. I know there are a lot of excuses why you shouldn't, couldn't, can't, don't. Don't make the excuse. Sign up for the class. We'll figure it out as we go, but we have to take steps forward. And because of the system of where we are with the quarantine and the numbers that are rising and things like this, this is a tangible way we can do that. Also know that as a catalyst team, we're taking intentional steps uh, to position ourselves uh, as we as we hopefully sell the building at 2828 crossover and, and relocate geographically. Um, and how we relocate is that that will be with intentional the idea of how to be ambassadors of peace, peacemakers, um, and reconciling community with this. Beyond all this and rooted in all this is that every one of us needs to make a deeper commitment than ever to follow Jesus. A deeper commitment than ever to follow Jesus. That is the first and most powerful thing we do in response to what we see going on in the world. We have to bathe ourselves in Scripture. We have to have that, that active gospel imagination. Bathe yourselves in, in Scripture. When you, feel, when you feel overwhelmed, when you don't know where to turn, turn to the Word. Let the Spirit speak to, towards you. And then even though it seems so impossible to do at times, we have to have this radical, sacrificial commitment to each other. To the a radical, sacrificial commitment to the church, to our church, to Grace Church. It's not enough just to, to love it in theory. We have to love it in practice. That means sacrificially, giving your money, giving your time, giving your prayer, putting yourself out there, being willing to serve, being willing to, when you're asked to do something. That, that's how we're going to get through this, is by deeper commitment, not less. Is by leaning in harder, not standing back. I, I want to invite you, and I say all that because I want to invite you to really consider the words of Paul here. And consider why he went to so much trouble. As you think about what you read, why did Paul go to so much trouble to present his credentials as a good Jew? He, he's declaring that he's not reaching out cross-culturally, that he's not reaching out to bring the Gentiles in across centuries of systemic and ingrained hatred, violence, to the most hated enemies of the Jews because he's rejecting his Judaism. He's not saying, hey, guys, guess what? I'm a Gentile now, so I'm going to reach out to the Gentile. No, he's saying, look at me. I am a Jew among Jews. His credentials take almost a chapter for him to say, if you want to see a Jew, look at me. He knows the history. He knows the oppression. He knows the hatred there. 
But because something has changed in Paul, he has found something which has been true from the beginning, that being a peacemaker is the highest revelation, the highest realization of what it means to be a Jew. That's what God's people were meant to do all along. Friends, it's no different for us. It's no different for us as the church. We are God's peacemakers. The church is God's reconciling community in the world. We seek to confront injustice, racism, oppression, um, not because we have left the faith, but because we've gone deeper into it. Because that's what we see Jesus, that, that Jesus did. That's what we see Jesus doing. And that's what we know Jesus will do. Ultimately, our commitment to racial injustice, oppression, Black Lives Matter, all of it is because that's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus is the one who leads us there. It's not a rejection of that. My gosh, it's, it's living into it. It's taking it seriously. And if we needed any further encouragement, Jesus himself instructs us to take communion together. And what does that represent as you get your elements? And Jesus' answer to all this was the kingdom. His instruction to us was to repent and believe. But he also gave us communion as a way of tangibly representing and remembering that. So do you want to know how I feel towards the world? You want to know, you want to know how I feel towards the people that killed me? You want to know how I feel towards the, the people that oppressed my ancestors, my people, enslaved us, raped us, murdered us, oppressed us? He says, well, here's my answer. My body, broken, given for the reconciliation of all things and all people. He says, you want to know my answer? My blood poured out, freely given, as a way of bringing together the thing that we have broken. We broke it. God restores it. And it is from our deep commitment and participation with Jesus as peacemakers that we see that restoration happen. So take and eat and drink as part of that commitment to being reconciled with God, with ourself, and with everyone else. Then let this, let the worship, let the word motivate you, propel you into that deeper commitment, sacrificially giving of money, stuff. It's an offering you can do now. 
sacrificially giving of your time, your commitment, as you reflect on these things, what is it that you need to do? Sign up for the class, for the race and class and reconciliation class. Join the movie tonight. Reconnect with those in your community. And do this because of what has ultimately first been done for us. Thanks for being here this morning.